Welcome back. Game two is in the books, and it was a game where it was very fun for a half if you're a Nets fan. It was an enjoyable game, half a game. You know, Cam Johnson was going stupid, dunked on Joel Embiid, and it felt like the Nets were up by more, but of course at halftime they were up by like five, and you're thinking like, damn, we played a very good half of basketball. They played like crap, and the Nets are only up five. And once the third quarter started... Kind of went back to reality. The Sixers outscored the Nets 24-14 in the third quarter. And to the Nets' credit, I mean, aside from the fourth quarter towards the end when they kind of gave up and gave up offensive rebounds, they were playing really good defense throughout this game. I mean, Philly scored 25 in the first, 19 in the second, 24 in the third, and then 28 in the fourth. But no more than 28 points in any quarter to this Philadelphia team is very impressive. The problem is... The Nets don't score too well. 84 points in today's NBA is pretty embarrassing. Not pretty, it's it's very embarrassing. So, there was some good. There was a lot of bad. We'll get into it. When you're down 2-0, obviously uh, Game 3 is a must-win on Thursday night. I'm not expecting to win that thing. And I was just thinking before I tweeted this that the Nets have not won a game since Game 5 at home versus the Milwaukee Bucks when Kevin Durant had the uh, the 49-point game or whatever it was back in 2021. That was like May or June of 2021. So the Nets have not won a playoff game in that long. So, um, yeah, they might get swept again. I don't know. We'll find out. Anyway, hope you guys enjoyed the video. Leave a like, subscribe, all that stuff. Comment your thoughts about this game because that might be interesting. But uh, let's get into it. So first off, we'll talk about what we saw differently you know, scheme-wise from Game 1 to Game 2. Obviously, the Nets went small. We saw Daron Sharp play, I don't know, probably around 15 minutes or so in Game 1. Had his ups, had his downs. And, of course, Jock Vaughn, the blabbermouth that he is, basically told people before the game that the Nets were going to go small in this game. And we saw a lot of um, Royce O'Neal at the 5. And Royce O'Neal is a small forward in most cases. So, to put him at center against Joel Embiid... Risky business, but it actually worked out very well in the second quarter. That's when the Nets had their most momentum and took a 7-8 point lead, whatever it was at some point. So, you know, it was working out for a bit. And then, you know, Nick Claxton did not play much. 21 minutes, it felt like less, but Claxton was horrible. He was 0 of 2, no points, 6 rebounds, didn't do much at all. Very disappointing Nick Claxton game. He was ineffective as hell, but... The minutes with the, the the five out, the small lineup, that stuff was working. I, I don't know how, don't know why. I mean, they were definitely frustrating Embiid the first three quarters, but, you know, eventually it got to them. I think the six, like, the sad reality for Nets fans during this series is that the Nets can play a pretty good game and the Sixers can have an off night, and the Nets are still going to lose those games probably. And that's kind of what happened tonight. I would say the Nets... Especially defensively, as I mentioned, they played a very good game. And Philly honestly did not play well. I mean, you can talk to any Sixers fan and they'll probably tell you, yeah, we played like crap. That was our worst game in a while. And they still won this game by 12. And I think it could have been more unless, you know, the Nets made some garbage time shots at the end. So that's not what you want to see. It's not very good. There's still things about this rotation that pissed me off. I mean, somehow Joe Harris was a plus 19. I, that, that does not make any sense whatsoever. Joe was 0 of 2, but 
he had two steals. I mean, I don't know how he was a plus 19. I'm trying to think. Like, yes, he was in in the second quarter. Um, I think he was in in the early fourth or late third, and they made some kind of a, a run. But, you know, I'll give Joe credit. He dove for loose balls maybe one or two times. But he, once again, just adds nothing offensively. And you still have Cam Thomas on the bench not playing. And it's it's really annoying. I mean, this is a guy, once again, who scored over 40 points in four different games this year. And you just scored 84. Like, you need offensive help. I think last game in game one, they scored 101, which is still not that great. And your point guard, starting point guard Spencer Dinwiddie, is absolutely crapping himself out there, to put it nicely. He was better in the second half. But my goodness, Dinwiddie's been awful this series, to be honest, especially game one. But you can't even give Cam Thomas minutes. I mean, it's crazy. Like, I understand he's not a great defender, but, like, it's not like Joe Harris is better himself. It's not like Seth Curry's a good defender, although Seth has played well in this series and is shooting the ball well. But I don't know why Cam Thomas can't get minutes. And as I said last uh, video after game one, I would not be surprised once again if it's a similar situation to what happened to Blake Griffin last year where the Nets are going to throw crap at the wall and see what sticks, and that might you know, cause them to throw in Cam Thomas in the third quarter or something down by 10 or 15 points and see if Cam can bring them back. And if he doesn't, then, oh, you're down 3-0, season's over. So I don't know why he can't play more. I'm not saying play him for 30 minutes a night, but there's no reason why Cam Thomas can't get 15 to 20 minutes a night in this series. You don't have an elite team. You don't have, this is not the big three. There's no reason why Cam Thomas can't get minutes out here. You know, Seth Curry, as I said, he played well. Joe Harris somehow had a plus 19. Still doesn't make sense to me. Um, but, like, it just, there's no reason why Cam Thomas can't play. Your rotation was eight guys deep tonight, so you could have fit him in there somehow. But, of course, there's something with this Nets team. I know the Nets former, I think he was a shooting coach, Adam Harrington, had, like, a cryptic tweet about Cam Thomas and the Nets are kind of hiding something with him, and they're not admitting why he's not playing. I don't know. I mean, we'll probably find out more in the offseason. This might be Cam Thomas's last year with the Nets at this rate. I, I don't know. I hope not. I, I do want to see Cam develop with this team. I think he could be a special scorer. We've seen it. But for some reason, whether it's from Sean Marks or Jock Vaughn, the owner, Joe Sy, I don't know. For some reason, Cam Thomas cannot get an established role with this team. But every time he's been the guy out there, He's been putting up numbers, and I know they are 1-3 in three in the games he scored 40 points or more, but like at the same time, I mean, the guy's doing all he can out there. And if you're scoring 84 in a playoff game, why aren't you going to try and ignite your offense by putting in possibly a top three playmaker on your team? I would say it's Bridges, usually it's Dinwiddie, and then Cam Thomas is right there. And I would say based on how Dinwiddie's playing right now, which is terrible once again, I would argue Cam Thomas might be the second best playmaker on this team. And for some reason, he can't get minutes. It's just, it's it's mind-boggling. I just don't get it. So that's the first thing that pissed me off about this game. Um, but yeah, this was the one they had to take. If they were going to be serious about winning this series, not just competing, but winning the series, they had to take this game. I mean, it's they could win in Brooklyn on Thursday, make it 2-1. Okay, we, we'll see what happens in Game 4 in Brooklyn. But this to win the series, I feel like you had to have this one. I mean, it's not over. It's not completely over yet. But I would say there's a very good chance that Philly wins this thing in 4, maybe 5 at most. 
and this was the game you could have taken. I mean, it was it was there. I mean, they looked lifeless in the second quarter, and instead of you know taking a bigger lead, I mean, once again they were up five at halftime. Like that, you had to keep piling it on. The Nets should have been up like ten to fifteen points, maybe twenty at half. If Dinwiddie played well, they probably could have been up fifteen or twenty. But they just continued to lack offensive firepower. The Nets scored 49 points in the first half. I mean, it's not very good, obviously. There's teams that score 60, 70. The Nets at one point scored like 90. What was this? I think they had 91 points at halftime versus the Warriors back when Kevin and Kyrie were here. But, you know, it's just that's not good. I mean, they need offensive spark. And, oh, wow, Harrison Barnes dunked on Klay Thompson. Um, yeah, they're just not getting enough offensive spark. And I I know Joe Harris is a great shooter, and you're expecting to get that from him. But, like, the Sixers know it's coming. They're not giving him open looks. Joe's had one open look so far in two games. And he did make it. I'll give him credit. But, like, actually, no, he did miss an open three tonight. He did miss an open one from the left wing. So he's one of two on wide open threes. Um, but aside from that, he's not giving you anything. That's the problem. I mean, at least Cam Thomas, once again, can penetrate, can make floaters. Like, he will do those things, and it's just, it's very annoying. But Dorian Finney-Smith, uh, he was a minus 17. Same with Cam Johnson, same with Mikkel Bridges. They were all minus 17s. Um, DFS, I mean, he was okay. He started out the game hitting his shots. He was 2 of 6 from 3 overall. And like a lot of the Nets in the fourth quarter, his shot was just not falling in the fourth. It's just, I don't know if they ran out of gas or their legs got tired, but... A lot of these Nets players, they were just not making their threes in the fourth quarter, and I'm sure some of that's fatigue and only having an eight-man rotation as compared to Philly, who played, I think they went 10 deep tonight, right? Well, really nine. I mean, House played two minutes, so they went nine deep. But still, there could have been some fatigue out there for Brooklyn. Definitely makes sense. But Finney Smith definitely started out the game better. Same for Cam Johnson, who had an amazing first half. He was great. I mean, Nets Twitter was going crazy. Had one of the best dunks you'll ever see on Joel Embiid. But in the second half, it was kind of like he was non-existent. He made that one corner three to make it, I don't know, like 68 to 74 or something like that. Kind of kept them in the game there for a bit. But really did not do much in the second half. And it, it was kind of like, you know, Mikel Bridges' last game in game one, how Mikel had 23 in the first half and then had like five points in the second half. So that kind of stuff, it's it's weird. I, I think Philly's made the necessary adjustments to take them out of the game. And, you know, for a guy like Doc Rivers who gets a lot of crap, and I do think it's sometimes deserved, um, Philly's done a good job of, like, if you see a Nets player starting to take over, you can take them out of the game. I, I get Mikel Bridges and, and Cam Johnson are not Joel Embiid-level players, but still, um, whenever he, the the Doc Rivers or the Sixers see those guys getting hot, they do a good job of, like, kind of mitigating them in the next half or, you know, the rest of the game. So I do give them credit for that. Speaking of Mikel Bridges, 6 of 15, 2 of 8 from 3, 7 of 9 at the line. Him and Dinwiddie, by the way, they missed a pair of free throws each in the first half. It pissed me off. They, they could have been of 9 at halftime, but they missed a pair of free throws. Um... Bridges had a very dumb pass to open up the third quarter. Came out of halftime, once again up five. And he just threw this careless pass to Dinwiddie. It was like a no-look pass. Tobias Harris intercepted it, went the other way for a dunk. And I think it led to an early timeout there for Brooklyn. So, um, yeah, that was pretty annoying and de definitely just like, I don't know, just a lack of concentration or whatever. But Mikel had some pretty nice moments in this game. But overall, it was not as special as game one. 
did have seven assists and five rebounds, so that was good to see. Um, but yeah, three turnovers. It just wasn't Mikel's best game. He had some defensive lapses. It wasn't his best game as a net, that's for sure. Um, I touched on Nick Claxton. He wasn't anything great in this game. Um, really not much to say. Six rebounds, one offensive, two assists. Um, yeah, I think Claxton had some good moments in this game. Like He guarded Harden a couple times very well. Forced him into missed shots. He might have had a couple nice possessions on Embiid, but just for the most part, he just is not fitting this game plan right now. And I, I think for Claxton to really take that next step, he has to develop. I'm not saying he has to develop a three-point shot, which I do think is possible because I think Claxton can shoot. We kind of saw that in his rookie year, and I think even in college he was shooting. But if Claxton can at least develop like something like the... LaMarcus Aldridge type range, like that 15 footer or something like that. Like how far is the three point line? I think it's like 23 feet. If he can get like somewhere from like 15 to 18 feet, if he can like make shots consistently from that range, I think Nick Claxton can open up another dimension of this Nets offense. But right now teams don't respect Claxton as a jump shooter and I don't blame them. But the frustrating part is that like we know Claxton can shoot. It's not like the guy is a uh, Mason Plumlee or Joakim Noah like the, the guy has some shooting talent so I do hope in the offseason it gets better he's definitely worked on his free throws he's been better at that I give Claxton credit but there's another level he can reach as a player and I do hope next year contract year I believe for Claxton he can definitely reach that hopefully um Dinwiddie played 41 minutes tied for the most on the team with uh the twins they also played 41 minutes Spence was 5 of 14, 1 of 3 from 3. I think he bricked a 3 off the backboard as well. Um, 1 of 3 at the line. I mentioned he missed a pair of free throws in the first half. He had uh, he had 4 rebounds total, 6 assists, 1 steal. And I think one of the first possessions of this game, Dinwiddie tried to lob. He threw it out of bounds. Now, luckily, there was a foul call. They, they kind of bailed him out. But that was another alley-oop that was awful and would have been a turnover. But luckily... A foul was called. I've been super disappointed with Dinwiddie. I really have. Coming into this series, he might have been one of the most guy, like one one of the guys I was most confident in to to be a really good player in this series for Brooklyn. It's not happened. It's it has been far from that. And he's arguably been like the sixth best player, the fifth best player. I mean, I don't know. He's he's been really bad. He's been a negative at some points and. Um, as I said, I just this guy's been here before. Like Dinwiddie's been in the playoffs like at least three times by now. He was in the Western Conference Finals last year, and it just seems like something's up with him. I don't know what it is. He's playing scared and just does not seem right. I mean, he had that layup at the end of the third quarter. He got blocked by the rim. It's just something is off. And once again, he bricked that three off the backboard terribly. So I felt like for the Nets to really compete in this series, you were going to have to get the good version of Spencer Dinwiddie, who's going to average like 18 points and 9 or 10 assists per game and shoot the ball efficiently. And if you did not get that, then this was going to be a rough series. And so far, it has turned into that. So unless Dinwiddie turns it around, I just don't know how the Nets turn the series around. And it's it's already a long shot to begin with. But if Dinwiddie's playing like this, I mean, it's just not going to help at all. You had Royce O'Neal, who I definitely have mixed feelings about in this game, offensively, he did not add much. 2 of 11, 2 of 9 from 3. Um, so obviously that's terrible. But he did add an element to the Nets' defense going 5 out, playing small ball. 
that really threw the Sixers off. And I do give Jock Vaughn some credit for going to that lineup. It worked out perfectly in the first half. But then in the second half, for some reason, they started overcommitting to doubling and sometimes tripling Joel Embiid. There was that crazy possession where they triple-teamed Embiid on the left wing. He's out on the three-point line, and they triple-team him. Dinwiddie, for some reason, leaves his guy in the corner. I think it was a maxi three. He's wide open, makes the three. I'm like, bro, are you serious? I think, no, it was Tobias Harris, I'm pretty sure. But anyway, leaves him wide open to to guard and beat on the three-point line. They triple-team him. I'm like, that's too much. I said this last video. I said this in the series preview. I said it in the reaction last time. Don't double and beat unless he's in a favorable spot on the floor. Like, you want him out on a three-point line. Like, why are you triple-teaming him out there? That makes no sense. So that part was annoying, but... Back to Royce, I mean, he had his moments, had three assists, had two steals. He was a pest for Joel Embiid in this game. But I just, too many frustrating moments. And lastly, Seth Curry, um, it was a, you know, it was a fun Seth Curry game for a bit. He made some nice shots. He got fouled on, on a three-point shot, which he's very good at. Seth Curry's shot is so perfect for getting fouled on three-pointers because his legs kick out naturally. And like, obviously in this NBA, if you land in the shooter space or whatever they call it, the shooter's landing spot, it's usually a foul. So Seth Curry has had a lot of three-point shots that were fouls, and he made two or three after that. But um, I would like to say, personally, if Dinwiddie still is playing like crap to start off next game, I would like to see more Seth Curry. I understand it's a a big size difference from Dinwiddie, less athleticism and all that, you know, less defense, but Seth Curry is a, a he's a clutch player. He's a big shot maker. I would rather see Seth Curry out there than Dinwiddie right now. I, I think I think you know as I said, it might hurt you defensively a good amount, but I think Seth Curry brings so much more offensively right now that Spencer Dinwiddie's not giving you, and that's just the truth. So you're not going to win with 84 points. You're not going to win. So that that's you know <laughs> I don't know. You maybe could win with 84 points in the you know 1990s or 1980s or anything before that, but Today, it's very tough to win with 84 points. Um, for team stats, we'll go look at team stats real quickly. Um, field goal-wise, the Nets shot 37%. Definitely a lot worse than last game. I think they shot over 50% last game. Three-pointers, the Nets made 13. Philly only made 11. So Philly was crazy from downtown in game one. They were 11 of 35 today. But... The annoying part, I think they might have made like one or two contested threes, but it seemed like every Philly three was wide open, like shoot-around type stuff. I mean, just Tyrese Maxey, P.J. Tucker, um, Melton, like just whoever. Like they would just be wide open, shooting practice. And that's what happens when you double and triple team Embiid. I mean, sometimes it works, sometimes it led to a wide open three, and it made them pay. So uh, free throw shooting... Back-to-back games where Philly makes more uh, free throws than the Nets. I mean, the Nets did shoot one more free throw, so that hasn't been too bad. I mean, there were some really, you know, really bad flops by Joel Embiid in this game. I mean, that one play where Royce O'Neal got called for the loose uh, loose ball foul, that was embarrassing. I mean, Royce, um, Royce O'Neal is like, I think he's behind Joel Embiid, and he might have given like a little bit of a, you know, a nudge with his forearm, and Embiid just is on the floor, he, he throws himself, he's on the, it's just, it's crazy, man, like, <laughs> I don't know, like, what to say at that point, I mean, there were some calls and, and some flops tonight that I was not a fan of, but that's just kind of how the NBA is, you know, either 
hate it or you love it, but it's, it just sucks. Um, Offensive rebounds, once again, Philly had 13, the Nets had five. That was a big issue. I do think some of those were very late in the game when it was garbage time. I think Philly had back-to-back possessions of getting offensive rebounds. I think Tobias got one and maybe Tucker. So, okay, maybe that 13 is like actually 11, but still, you would have been um, out-rebounded offensive rebound-wise by six. So, the offensive rebounds have killed this team. And that leads me to another complaint about the front office. This team has not had a natural center, aside from a half season of Andre Drummond last year, who they got from the um, the James Harden trade. This team has not had a natural center in a very long time. Like, I think when Nick Claxton was drafted, he was supposed to be like that um, that point forward type guy. Maybe the Nets envisioned him being a center the whole time, but Nick Claxton was that lanky, you know, four and that was kind of his role at college. He was a ball handler a lot. Not a natural center. Maybe Jar- Jared Allen's the last natural center, but even you know Jared Allen was not like, he wasn't that beefy. He was a skinny guy. So I, I know Jared's technically a center, but you know what I mean? Like the Nets just don't have those natural centers. And they just knew they that they knew for a while they had a good chance of playing the Sixers in the playoffs, and they just failed to address that spot. I mean, they added... Um, Derlin's Noel, Sixers legend. They added Moses Brown, who I think might have been a Sixer. I forget. But they added those two guys, and they waived them. They didn't keep them. Not saying they would have played in the playoffs, obviously, but, like, how can you go in, like, how can you keep going in this? Even when the Nets had Kevin and Kyrie, when they had championship aspirations, they did not have a backup center. And we keep saying to ourselves, all right, they're going to add one by the deadline. They're going to add one by the deadline. And it didn't happen. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's crazy. How do you keep doing this the same cycle every year like how do you get out rebounded on the offensive boards year after year i mean did sean marks not watch the Celtics series last year where you were killed on the offensive boards and now they're doing it again here in philadelphia like does it not matter i understand your team has a philosophy you want to be smaller you want to be versatile but you can't lose the offensive rebounding battle this badly it's going to lead to losses and that's part of the reason the nets have not won a playoff game in like two years so i mean not exactly two years yet but we're, we're getting close it's probably like 22 months at this point so it's just stuff like that the way the team is built even um yeah it's i don't know it's, that's for the offseason videos but that's annoying i mean look at this philly had 56 rebounds the nets had 33 56 to 33 rebounding discrepancy i mean that's insane and it's, it's it's just crazy the nets did have three more assists the nets did have two more steals Philly had six more blocks. Wow. Philly had 10 more turnovers. So that's one department where Philly was better in game one. The Nets were much better in game two. But of course, they still lost by double digits. Um, Points off turnovers. Philly had 10 more. Philly had seven more fast break points. Philly had, what is that, 24 more points in the paint. Not much of a surprise. I do believe that was pretty close in game one. I think it was like tied maybe. But... In game two here, points in the paint belong to Philly. Um, The largest lead for the Nets was 10, and Philly was up by 15 at one point, probably towards the end. So, uh, yeah, it's just, once again, disappointing stuff. I really thought there was a chance they could have won that game, but you knew by, like, halfway through the third quarter that, like, yeah, they effed this up, and it is what it is. I mean, I was hoping they could have made this a series. I knew the entire time it was going to be Sixers and five or six. It might be four. I might have been wrong, but... You know, I had no realistic expectations to win this series, but I didn't want to see the Nets compete and have a couple games come down to the wire. 
And so far, none of that has happened. You know, it's two games in Philly. They have yet to play a home game. Maybe game three is different, but I have no reason to think that. Um, you know, going through Philly's guys, I mean, P.J. Tucker did not put up a point. Tobias Harris had a 20-point game. Embiid had a 20-point game. Maxi had 33. So Maxi was the killer. Maxi was 6 of 13 from three. Um, he, he made a lot in the first half as well. He played 40 minutes, which led the team. Honey Bun Harden was 3 of 13, 2 of 8 from 3, um, 5 turnovers. So, yeah, he was not doing that in back-to-back games. Yeah, that, that pisses me off, too. Like, how does James Harden have a game like that, and they still beat you by 12? I mean, that man is supposed to be the second-best player on his team, and he he was terrible. I mean, he did have 7 assists, which is not even good for Harden standards. He had 4 steals somehow. But, you know, Harden was a negative for Philly tonight, and you're still out here losing by 12. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. So, if you told me coming into this that Harden was going to shoot three for 13 and have five turnovers, I would have been pretty confident about this being a very close game or possibly winning, but that was not the case either. So Harden plays like crap, and the Sixers, of course, still win the game. Um, nobody on the bench really did much. I mean, Paul Reed had six points, Melton had nine points, but most of it was the starters. It was Tyrese Maxey, Embiid with 20, and Harris with 20. And Harden and Tucker combined for eight points. I mean, that's that's just crazy. So, yeah, I mean, you know, hats off to Maxi. He played a great game. Um, it's annoying that the Nets were not able to get him away from Philly in the Ben Simmons trade, but I feel like Philly was not going to trade him regardless, and they made the right decision. So, um, yeah, it is what it is. But it, it sucks, and, you know, right now they're in a 2-0 hole. And they're in danger of getting swept for the third time in four years. So, fun time to be a Nets fan. And the one series they did not get swept in, they were an inch away from making the conference finals. I mean, it's it's great to be a Nets fan. It's it's awesome. So, anyway, I think that will do it. Um, for Game 3, I mean, we'll see. I, I don't know what they're going to do defensively. I feel like they've tried just about everything. I personally, like, you've you've done the overcommitting to Joel Embiid thing on defense, I would rather just see what happens if you play him straight up and play man-to-man defense. I would rather see what happens there. I, I just want to see it. So we'll see if Jock Vaughn changes something. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. If it were me, I mean, I would try to be more man-to-man, not worry about Embiid and doubling him and just let him do his thing and hopefully he's off. I don't know. There's nothing else you can really do. Um, and of course, play Cam Thomas. I mean, there, there's you need offense on this team. Um, I forgot Alex Lem played in the NBA. Wow. Um, but yeah, you need more offense for this team. And the way to do it is to get Cam Thomas in the game. I, I once again, I get it. He's young, inexperienced, possibly not that good on defense. But nothing that Joe Harris is giving you is a plus. It's it's not. So hopefully, with one, two, two full days off, really three, they can realize. What's going on here? Why the offense is not looking good? And maybe realize, hey, we need a spark to this offense. And they get Cam Thomas in there. And yeah, I mean, obviously guys like Dinwiddie have to be better. Nick Claxton has been very disappointing as well. Like like Dinwiddie and Claxton have been very bad. I, I, I was more confident once again in Dinwiddie being better because I knew Claxton would have a very tough matchup with Joel Embiid. But even Claxton has looked worse than I thought he would. And for um, for Dinwiddie, it's just been really disappointing because I expected way more. So, um, yeah, we'll see if things change. Maybe Watanabe or Sumner or, once again, Cam Thomas can work their way in there. But 
um yeah it's just it's sad stuff and you know i'm kind of ready for the off season it's just it is what it is it is what it is at this point this team is not really going anywhere and uh, even if they somehow win two games in this series and not it up at two to two you're probably not going to win it anyway so i mean it is what it is and, and for philly too i mean look i know their fans are cocky it's how philly is but whoever i've said this on twitter whoever wins this series is going to get smoked by boston i mean let's be honest if philly goes to round two they're going to lose in five or something to boston does it really matter so um kind of a meaningless series if you look at it that way it's nice to watch some playoff basketball but at the same time it's also embarrassing because they have not won a playoff game in a very long time you know since harden was a net so yeah, I mean, it is what it is, but we'll find out what happens in Game 3. I'll talk to you guys on Thursday night. Hope you enjoyed, and uh, I'll see you then.